Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 22, with a focus on demystifying health coaching and digital health, healthcare, and beyond. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be already outdated. For the latest news in health coaching, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report at yourcoach.health. Hi, and welcome back to the third annual Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium by Your Coach. I'm Dan Kendall, the founder of Mission Based Media and the executive producer on many health podcasts, including the new Health Unmuted Audio Library. I'm really pleased to be leading this discussion around the anatomy of a thriving health coach. There's a lot to unpack in that title, and I'm very excited to have Coach Meg, Meg Moore, Margaret Moore, join me on this conversation. Meg is an executive coach, a coaching leader, and an entrepreneur, and she spent 17 years in the biotech industry before founding her Well Coaches Corporation in 2000. Her school of coaching has coached over 14,000 health professionals in 50 countries. A decade later, in 2010, Meg co-founded the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching. It's a nonprofit subsidiary of the National Board of Medical Examiners, and they established coaching standards coach certification, and CPT codes, and healthcare reimbursement of coaching services. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. There's another symposium going on about that same topic. It's a really important aspect of building this coaching industry. She's also co-founder and chair of the Institute of Coaching at McLean Hospital, which is a Harvard Medical School affiliate, and a course director at the Harvard Medical School Coaching and Leadership and Healthcare Conference. In her free time, Meg is co-author of four books, 10 book chapters, and 23 peer-reviewed articles. Meg, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to the, the symposium. Well, hello, Dan. I was really looking forward to being back with you, so I'm so glad this is happening. And Meg, you and I spoke last year. A lot has happened in the past 12 months, but even more so, you captured an article that's available on your website, uh, Well Coaches School. You really capture what's happened in the past 14 years, from 2009 to 2022. I really, I really want to dive into this question of what is the anatomy of a thriving health coach. But before we get to that, can you just give us a little bit of an overview of what you covered in that article and what you covered in your leadership roles across the 14 years from 2009 to 2022? Thank you, Dan. Yes. Um, so uh, when I started in this field, the vision I had um, and have is to bring the professional coach into the healthcare space um, as, a, as a new profession. And building a new profession is a long-term journey. And you know we're in our third decade now. I'm in my third decade on this. And uh, the first step was to build science-based coaching curriculum that didn't exist in the broader uh, life and business and leadership coaching industry at that time in 2000. Um, and that's what Well Coaches did. We built the first science-based protocol. And then um, after training, um, you know, our first probably five, 10,000 coaches, we then had 22 peer-reviewed studies on the outcomes of our Well Coaches protocol, which is also in our manual. That's one of the books that um, I've co-authored. And so that bringing from biotech, this understanding that you build something and then you test that it works 
you know, you make sure the principles of what you've built are science-based and then you test that. So that was the first decade was getting that foundation. And then in order to build a health profession, you've got to have national standards for training and education, and you've got to have a national credential. I mean, most healthcare professions, if not all, are licensed, they have state licenses, but the what what goes before and what allows a state license is this the national standards and the national credential medical school nurse you know and medical licensing exams nursing social work physical therapy you know on and on and on so we had to do that so by the time 10 years had passed we had a group of us around a dozen that were training health and wellness coaches in and in the article i list all the original founders there was a, about a dozen of us and we came together and agreed that even though we were competing in the marketplace and, and you know, uh, we, we know, knew that we had to agree on a common core and build a certification. So that was the next 10 years. And that turned into the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching. The thing that is easy to drive past and forget is in those early days, we had health coaches, lifestyle coaches, wellness coaches, integrative health coaches. And there was a tension there, which is they're all different. And so one of the most important things that I drove and others agreed is that we had to have one coach, the coach that can be health, well-being, wellness, um, lifestyle, integrative health, functional medicine, you know, whatever, that the coaching competencies were common and they were science-based for all of that. So that was the first big achievement. Then we then we defined the job. And then from there, we found a partner in the National Board of Medical Examiners to help us build the competencies, the exam. And then once all that was set um, and we formed a new entity, which is a nonprofit affiliate of the National Board of Medical Examiners, they invested millions of dollars to get us to that place. Um, we then began the process of, re of getting uh, billing codes. So the coach could have um, services to be delivered in healthcare that would be paid for of substantive size so that could be it could create a job. And so we figured out a range of codes that were existing codes um, with the VA at the helm in terms of getting the new coaching codes approved. We got those done in, um, in spring 19, 2019. And um, that's evolved. We've been back to the American Medical Association CPT panel now several times. And then early next year, we will be applying for the full status. So we were category three, which is step one. And now we move to category one. Um, and we're now, we've got all, we've got a team of 15 people working on all the data pieces that go into making this case. So that's the journey, right? You know, the, the vision, yeah. vision with nothing happening to reality and um and that's a leadership journey and and I think that's for me that's probably been the biggest gift of this is that it's made me a better leader. Well, it's been an amazing uh, journey over a few decades and as I mentioned you were a biotech executive for 17 years before you embarked on this journey so you've got uh, some wonderful skills and perspectives on the healthcare industry uh, and health in general for people and for populations. And I think it's important to understand how this whole industry has evolved in such a short period of time, led by individuals, including yourself, um, that, that are really making this happen for a lot of people who are watching this video now. So as people are now looking at all the foundation that you have laid, you and others have laid um, to create this industry, I, I'm curious about how people 
understand about how they opt into it. I mean, if, if you want to become a doctor, if you want to become a nurse, if you want to become other kinds of therapists, it's pretty clear from an early age through partly through exposure and going to a doctor's office, meeting a nurse, having a, a nurse in your school, having people in your uh, uh, social environment where there are people are doctors, where, where you might get exposed to that and, and understand a little bit about what the journey is. But I think when people are looking at becoming a health coach, the journey probably starts you know, much later <clears throat> in, in, their, in their education. I'm curious about what it really takes and, and what kind of people should be looking at health coaching as a viable career opportunity for themselves. Yeah, th thanks, Dan. It's a really important question. Um, you know, up until now, for the most part, um, moving into coaching is a second career, like for me. Um, it's generally, you know, it'll it'll eventually, and we're getting closer and closer every day, coaching skills, coaching processes will be integrated into all the health professional schools, medical school, nursing school. So that's that's going to happen. It's going to become a universal set of skills. If you're a teacher, a parent, a, you know, everybody, these are the skills of having powerful conversations. Um, and so I think the um, the thing for coaches to realize, you know, there's there's so many people that are unhappy in healthcare right now. Um, as we know from the burnout statistics, that that um, there's a real yearning to truly help people without the constraints that uh, of all the constraints, technology, regulations, financial, um, quality control, all those drivers have taken the life out of conversations between healthcare providers and patients or clients. And so there's this enormous yearning to spend time doing that and to do that well. And so that's great. And so to, to some extent, there's a big wave of people. There's many more people that would like to be coaches than there are jobs right now. I mean, that's why we, you know, one of the reasons that um, everybody sees that this is the future, but we're not quite there. The future is not quite, we're building it, but it's not quite there yet. So um, and at the same time right now, um, and this is not just, I was just speaking to a close friend and collaborator for many, many years about the leadership and business coaching side. We have an oversupply of coaches and an undersupply of great coaching. And great coaching is a conversation. It's a conversation that's not scripted. It doesn't have a checklist. Certainly you have a process in the back of your mind. You've done it over and over but it is a very emergent creative conversation that ge is generative. It is a creative conversation um, that allows people to think um, and feel and, and then behave in ways they did not think were possible when they started the conversation. Right. And it's that ability to deliver insight, to create a conversation, to hold the space and shape the conversation so that people come away and say, my gosh, I, something happened there. Like something shifted. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've shifted. I mean, we know from the biology of neuroplasticity from Alvaro Pascual Leone at Beth Israel that the brain can only grow, the biological limit is one millimeter of neural network a day. So you're not gonna have, you're not gonna transform your mindset and behavior in one conversation, but these small, shifts that energize you right because you feel stuck right people feel stuck if they're not healthy mentally physically 
Mm -hmm. like their work they feel trapped in that that's the that's the phenomenon you don't don't know what to do like you know you're just if you knew you'd be doing it right and as we help people kind of get out of that that you know the the system that the worldview that they're living in it feels good because it gives you hope oh wow i can change myself my mindset i can actually look at the situation with what activated me yesterday is not today what I was doubting yesterday, I'm confident today. When you start to feel that, you start to have hope. You start to believe, yeah, I can actually get healthy. So that is uh, not a trivial skill set. I mean, I'm still getting better. All of us are still getting better. And so, so I yeah. think people need to lean in and not just say, oh, this is the hot new thing. This, that's not going to get us to the finish line. We, we, want, we must come to this being humble and, and continually upping our game in how we hold that conversation. Yeah. It's funny, as you were describing that, uh, if you go back 60 seconds, some of what you were just saying could apply to the potential health coaches of tomorrow, but it also is of the people that health coaches are working with, that neuroplasticity, that, that changing. So it's, it's about changing the coaches' mindsets as coaches and also changing the people the clients that you're working with. So I'm just curious, are there certain personality traits that that you find uh, are attracted to this profession and not just attracted to it to do it, but that can be in that top 10%, that that A plus um, performance of the health coaching industry? Uh, well, there's a couple of things to say. One is, I use my own example. Um, when I started in this field, I was a CEO, I'm an MBA. I was CEO in the C-suite um, since my mid-30s in biotech. So I didn't think of myself as a coach. I wasn't planning on becoming a coach. Um, and uh, for various reasons, I had to. I, you know, I was giving talks and people would be sitting there thinking, well, I'm already doing coaching. You know, what, what have you got to offer? And so I'd have to make it happen on, in 15 minutes. I'd have to produce an aha moment in front of their eyes for them to realize they weren't doing it. And I discovered I had this intuitive ability to be really present in the moment and to see the potential of the moment. And I didn't even have words for it. So a lot of us don't even know that we could do this because we have cultivated an identity and a, and a competence that is about filling the space, not holding the space. And so I didn't know I could I could shift so significantly when I was really wanting to help the other person. Like I kind of knew what I had to do, which is I had to get out of the way and I had to be in a much more reflective, responsive, creative, provocative, challenging way. I had to be a different. And um, I can't say that I, I didn't go to coaching school. I built a coaching curriculum that didn't exist at the time that came from my own you know, and, and, and a lot of collaboration with some very special people. So, so I think it's, you don't necessarily want to assume ahead of time that you don't have it. Um, what do you need though? You need deep empathy and acceptance for the human condition. Because if you're in a judgmental place and a critical place, which is of course we all have judgment, but when we're, and when we're trained, especially if you're in a healthcare profession, your judgment is what you rely on to avoid bad things happening. Judgment is key to peak performance, but judgment is the enemy of a good conversation. 
So what you rely on to be effective and successful and to avoid catastrophe is the thing that gets in the way in a human relationship. And um, not everyone is able to get that and to be ex really accepting. So it's a spe that's one thing. So, you know, I went through hell in my thirties and I actually, I, if you're wondering why I have a black eye, <laughs> um, <laughs> I fell a week ago on my cheek. So that wasn't hell, but, um, you know, just wanted a name. If, it, if it's in the room, you know, you guys might be thinking about it. Um, but I did go through hell, <laughs> not physical hell, but emotional hell in my thirties. Um, and, uh, my mother died. My first husband left me for a close friend of mine. I was lost. And I, and I had to walk away from a huge career in the pharmaceutical industry. The Thing About Health Coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching, an ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the eight and a half billion global population by 2030. Um, so I, I, in, in one moment, so a career I'd built over a decade, um, my mother was my closest family relationship and I adored my husband. All were gone, gone, like within a couple of years. And so I hit bottom and I didn't come, I didn't bounce back for a while. You know, I functioned for sure. I functioned. Yep. Um, but, but I learned to sit with pain. Um, and, and I can't, honestly, I don't know that I'd be where I am today if I had not been through that. And I think those of the coaches who are listening will understand what I mean. Real adversity, um, gives you real empathy. It really does. I mean, it is the, I mean, thank goodness, something comes out of it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Crazy, right. So you've got to be in a place because look, when people are unhealthy, the, the story behind that goes down layers and layers and we're not therapists. We're not going to dive down and, and, and repair and integrate all the trauma and all of that. We're working at the surface at the, at the topsoil of people's lives, mm -hmm. but we have to be able to not judge, to, to be in a place of acceptance and, um, that takes a lifetime to get better at too. You know, even though I came in with that, I still, I can still fall back into judging myself. There's yeah. all the time. So that's a really big deal. And, um, and empathy, this, empathy, you mean, is a, is yeah, a big the, deal. The, the compassion yeah. and accept, well, it's acceptance. Mm -hmm. It's, but two different things. Empathy is relating. Acceptance is not condoning, not wanting it yeah. to be better, but not arguing with it. And yeah, because that's that's what I was wondering is if there, I mean, because what you just described in terms of your personal experience, I'm really sorry to hear that you've gone through that. I think that, you know, many of us, when we live long enough, we we do have experiences where we hit bottom. And if you haven't done it yet, if you're listening and you haven't done it yet, then, it, you know, stay tuned. It might be coming because it happens to a lot of people along the way. And I, I think it's really around how you can respond to that. But you can't um, learn 
that experience. That experience is something you obviously experience. So I'm wondering if there are other things in addition to the empathy that some people might have innately, you know, with, without having gone through that trauma or their trauma may have occurred earlier in their life. Uh, they may not even recognize it as that. It may have just have been their life as or their childhood. I'm wondering if there are other things that, that coaches can cultivate that will put them in that top 10% of, of performance. Yeah. So, so that's all about the starting place with people mm-hmm. because people are not going to feel safe or trust you or want to play with you. If they don't feel as though you're with them, you get them. You're not judging them and you're creating a space. The second part is the potential. What's the creative potential in the moment? And um, that's a completely different state. And that's the, the ability to be present to people's conversation, what they're saying, how they're saying it, what they're not saying. Like, so you're listening to thoughts, words, thoughts, emotions, meaning what's not being said. So you're, you're picking up a lot of data right mm-hmm. a lot of data and you're helping them so if you want to generate insight there has to be a focus what what do you want where do you want to shift what shift do you want to make today what needs and they might not put it in that language but you know where do, what do you want to what do you want to get better at today what do you want to what's up what 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 are you being called to examine and explore and shift and it well coaches we call that the generative moment it came out of a team that i led in 2004 Um, we built a theory for what's called the intuitive dance of coaching and the intuitive dance is um, the it is a flow state we call it relational flow so flow is when you're Mm -hmm. in in a groove and this is a groove of a conversation and it's very much a back and forth you don't know where it's going you're not attached to where it's going it is truly a creative conversation I mean it can be a brainstorming conversation or it can, or can just be, immer- there's lots of different tools to do this. That's something we teach at Well Coaches um, in our core and advanced trainings, lots of ways. But the core of the, 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 the warm up in a coaching session is the empathy, acceptance, what's going well, generating positive resources. I didn't get into that, but you've got to have some zest. You know, this is not, you've got to really bring, you know, people have to leave with more energy, more motivation, more confidence, more self-esteem. Their, their obstacles look smaller, they're, possibilities look better that that has to be that's that, that's part of what the generative conversation leads to so you're mm-hmm. accepting you're generating the positive and then you then you're allowing this generative conversation which can be done in maybe 10 minutes 10 12 15 yeah. minutes but you know you can't do it in a 20 minute conversation because you have to have a warm-up people are not ready to go into a creative like what about this and what if you did that and what what would happen if this happened and what would that look like and if you you know if that part of you had a voice what would it say like you know that getting people lie alive, getting the, you know, neurons firing, getting them like, you know, out of the, to, oh, like, you know, well, I could wear a Hawaiian shirt and then it would make me feel like I'm on the beach and I'd have my beach moment. And then I could, you know what I mean? you got to get the energy going. Right. Right. Um, So, and then, and then out of that generative piece comes, okay, what do you want to do next? What are you going to do? So you take the energy of the, oh, I, I just had a shift. I just see something differently. Oh, I can, then that turns into action. And so the insight to action to insight to action is the iterative process over time that lays down the new neural network. Mm-hmm. So so yep. that's that's the whole, you know, that's the whole kind of piece in a nutshell. Well, I wonder, I mean, the, the word coach is both a noun and a verb. And I, I think when we typically think of coaches, I mentioned where we, you know, throughout our lives, we interact with nurses and doctors and our coaches are the ones who are telling us what to do. 
They tell us to run this drill, run this play, swing the club this way, you know, uh, hold the ball this way, pass this way. They're telling you what to do. But maybe it's a misnomer because uh, health coaches are not giving that sort of instruction, right? It's trying to pull out. My understanding is based on the question you just described is you're trying to pull out from the client that you're working with, you know, what it was going to work for them, what their motivation is and how they can, can change. Is that an accurate sort yeah, of statement? Right, yeah. Um, you know, what came to mind when you said that is Sir John Whitmore, who was one of the early coaches in the UK, um, and he's passed now, but um, there's a video of him, and I can send it and share with the group, of a golf lesson with a, a directive coach versus a facilitative coach, and it is brilliantly done, and you can see how the, the, the client of the coach who's letting the person find the swing and find with a little bit of guiding, but much more facilitating. And you watch the person come alive compared to the, do this, put your hip over here, move this, you know, do, you know, that the, and then people are like, okay, you know, I'm going to do it wrong for sure. I'm not, right. I'm going to, I'm not going to find it. I'm going to lose it, right? Like, and so right. when you watch that, you realize that humans do better when someone empowers them um, with some, there's still need for education and in health and wellness and well-being coaching, the literature shows that we all provide some sort of uh, education in a, in a not, we're not in the driver's seat, we're still in the passenger seat mm-hmm. offering. Would you like to know about this? Would this be helpful? What would be the thing you'd most like to know more about right now, as opposed to here's what you need to know about blah, 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 that based on right. your assessment. So they're still in the driver's seat, you know, where am I going? And, oh yeah, I'll take that. No, no, I don't need that. Oh, I need that. You know, so, so then we are giving uh, tutorials in an energetic way, which is helping them take in some new information, which they need. And so mm-hmm. that's part of building confidence and competence is you get the knowledge you need at the moment that you're experimenting with new um, behaviors. Yep. So it's not that we never give advice. We just don't give it the way we used to. We don't have people. So I need to move on. We've only got a little bit of time left. I need to move on to another topic, but I just want to ask this in a different way. If I had uh, a room with a, a stage with a curtain across it, and I said the top 10% of coaches are behind that curtain, um, before you see them, before you meet them, I want you to describe their skill set to me. They're the top 10%. What would you use to describe the top 10% of health coaches that are behind that curtain? Uh, just um, a um, infectious zest for life, for growth, for experience, for whatever's next, the sense of adventure. Because this How is about their skills. So that's the curiosity, then that from there comes curiosity. From there comes mm-hmm. questions. Um, from there comes um, a sense for where the other has an opportunity to grow. We call that the growth edge, the ability to to detect that. Maybe not be accurate, but to know enough to be able to play around. What you know, where do you want to shift? The ability to help people walk through generating insight and turn it into energizing accent uh, action. So, um, you know, I already mentioned the empathy. Um, so we'll assume the empathy and the acceptance, self-acceptance is there. And then the other, the, the, the other thing is that 
we're um, as coaches have to have more consciousness. We have to be further along mm-hmm. in growing ourselves than our clients. So engaged fully in their own learning and growth, you know, so you're, you're walking the walk. Right. And uh, one thing I want to make sure we touch on is that, you know, we see technology impacting every area of our lives. So I'm really curious about the role of technology when it comes to coaching. We're certainly seeing it in various aspects of healthcare as well. After a somewhat slow start, some of it's been mandated and required just to be able to be able to provide any level of healthcare during the, the pandemic. I'm just curious what your views are about AI and machine learning and other tech tools and what role that has to play in the health coaching experience. So maybe some things that we should be looking at and maybe some things that we should be avoiding where the human touch is more important. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the all of the things I've ta- spoken about are deep human qualities and skills that are not going to be done by machines. Machines are not creative. Um, and what we want to do is to delegate. So we don't want the tech to get in the way of the um, productive, if not empowering powerful conversation and so it can right tech distracts us all the time Mm -hmm. the powerful connection um especially if we're in the same space but we've been able to get pretty far with zoom um that that is that is what is transformative it's when another person is with you on this journey that there's nothing you can't replace that and the challenge with a lot of models with tech is that they're trying to reduce the cost of the intervention by reducing the amount of human conversation and then it becomes a very superficial situation Mm -hmm. which doesn't lead to enough reflection to get to any growth so the tech gets in the way of really high quality coaching i mean you can still pick an app to follow step by step and that can be really helpful to you so there's plenty of places for tech but if you want a deep if you want the most out of coaching then then you've got to got to keep it out of the way not not interfere the, the area I think where it needs, and we, we actually filed a patent on this and, um, I, and have done a little bit with this, the, the area that's tedious is making habits. By that, I mean, okay, now you know that you want to sleep better. Um, and there's a dozen different ways to uh, go after that. So in the coaching conversation, you can kind of figure out where do you want to start? Like, where are the, where are the things for bed? You know, what you do in the middle of the night? Like, where do you, where do you want to start? But then there might be 10 different habits that you do. So I would love to see the tech be the digital coach with you. You know, okay, did you try that habit? Did it work? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Here's another one. Here's a video tutorial. So the habit making part, which is what apps do, right? It's the last, the last mile. It, it makes a lot of sense. I would love to have, I would love to have a bot. I mean, um, you know, my it was my brother's birthday yesterday and Apple served up the, this memory photo collage for my brother um that i i hadn't even thought of and somehow it it was my brother my name was in my calendar and that was magnificent help right like some really useful thing um you know so tech tech is amazing but doesn't help with a conversation yep yeah, excellent. I, I've had those uh, memories as well, and they are. I, I'm, I'm so pleased that they do that because it's uh, it's nice to see that. And and then you think about how could they transform that into something that can make a real substantial yeah, impact for the person and, and be motivating. Yeah. So as the body, last question for you, Meg, before we need to run. So that the body of research is really growing now, and uh, we're really pleased to see the positive impact that's being documented and and validated uh, of health coaching. So. 
I'm really curious, what is the future of this role of health coaches? I mean, is it something where the Department of Labor is going to recognize it, like to do with health educators, for example? Or you know, where does this, this, uh, where does this take us as we look at all the history and where we are today? Well, we're, I mean, we're well on, on the path for it to become a profession um, and all of us in it considered a profession. Is it a mature profession? No, not yet, but it's moving in that direction, especially if coaches are really dedicated to mastery, which is what we've been ta mostly talking about today. Um, if coaches are looking to be masterful and they're making, and they're leaning in and they're not, they're not, they're not um, uh, under, un they're understanding why mastery matters for a new profession. I mean, other professions didn't have to meet that test. But now we have to be masterful. Conversations have to be powerful. We have to have return on investment. So we've still got more to do, but absolutely, this will become a key role on the healthcare team in primary care. Excellent. It already is happening, just not, just not everywhere. Um, you scale up. Yeah, the other side um, um, that Well Coaches is moving into, so this provides coaches a second track, um, has to do with work well-being, which is the major driver of overall well-being. You know, so... The more satisfied you are with your work and your life, the more likely you'll engage in health behaviors. And we have to, so we have to start there too. And so we've just built a well-being inventory that covers mind, body, work, and life. And it's work, it's work centric, but it still gets at the others as well. And um, all of the constructs that drive a thriving work life are the scientific constructs that are embedded in coaching protocols. You know, we didn't wander off and do something weird. We're we're actually standing on top of the constructs that are so coaching in itself, the what we do, what we ask and what where we take people in of and of itself is a well-being intervention, even if you don't talk about well-being. So we're naturals to to address the um huge yearning and uh, need for much more human well-being, not just on the physical side and not just on the emotional side. So I think that, and, and, and take burnout. I mean, we all as coaches need to be good at helping clinicians with burnout. We know how to have, need to know how to have those conversations and help people move forward. So this has actually given us a whole new, I mean, it's sad that it's needed, of course, it's terrible, um, but you, you know the Gallup data, right? Engagement is you know, high engagement is 20% of the population, the great resignation, yeah. all of that. So, um, and, you know, we can, we can blame employers and we can tell them to fix the environment and fix the culture. But in the end, only, you know, what gives you flow? What, where is your groove? When are you in your groove? How do you find mm. it? How do you hold on to it? How do you not pollute it? How do you actually have a day where you're grooving? You can't delegate that to somebody else. You have to find it yourself. And that is where coaching is, really powerful because we can p help people stand on their own two feet and groove. <laughs> yeah, wow. that's great. Well, Meg, that, that's really great. I, we're at time now, so I need to uh, end the conversation, but I could listen to you all day. Thank you so much for making time uh, to speak with me and with all the viewers and participate in the symposium. Uh, really fantastic work that you've done over the past several decades and the lasting impact of your legacy will go on far, far, far into the future. And I'm excited to see what happens next. And especially for all the viewers who are uh, coming into this industry now, building on what you've done and the, and the water you've been carrying for, for so long. I want to thank yourcoach.health for their excellent 
excellent team uh, and our excellent team for organizing this event and for having me as the host of this conversation. And I'd also like to thank you, the viewers, for taking time to tune into this and for your interest and commitment and work that you're doing to help people and populations in their improving their health and care. Be sure to stick around for more great sessions and uh, thanks for being a part of this program. Thank you, Dan.